Hi, welcome to Raven Debriefs. I'm your host, Susan Smitten. Today's episode of the podcast features an extended interview with one of my favorite people, Dr. John Burroughs. Scholar, legal expert, storyteller, and Anishinaabe knowledge keeper, John Burroughs explores the intersections where traditions overlap, conflict, and ultimately influence one another to birth new stories. He's also a member of the legal advisory panel with Raven, respecting Aboriginal values and environmental needs. John Burroughs helps determine which Indigenous cases offer opportunities for the establishment of precedents, advancing rights, and realizing justice for First Nations. As Canada Research Chair in Indigenous Law at the University of Victoria, Burroughs is a founder with Val Napoleon of the first ever joint degree program in Indigenous and Canadian common law. Throughout the interview, you'll hear the compositions of Jeremy Dutcher, a classically trained operatic tenor and composer who blends his Wolastok First Nations language and culture into his music. So I'm John Boros. I'm the Canada Research Chair in Indigenous Law at the University of Victoria Law School. I do what I do because I love the earth. I grew up in a rural setting. Uh, around a farm, uh, close to a reserve. Uh, my life is given meaning by the beauty that surrounds me. And then in my kind of academic and social and cultural life, I find that there's a lot of poetry and beauty in words and peoples. Uh, and I want to find ways to bring out what is naturally beautiful about humans uh, in a way that we see in the natural settings around us. So Raven is an attempt to reconcile Indigenous people's rights with broader Canadian legal systems. What's happened is largely industrial development has been able to proceed without Indigenous people's participation or their understanding of their views or their rights being articulated. And so Raven is an attempt to remedy that imbalance by providing aid and assistance and, uh, and finding a way that Indigenous voices can be brought more fully into the conversation around legal rights in the province and nationally. Canada's constitution has a section 35, which says the existing Aboriginal and treaty rights of the Aboriginal peoples of Canada are hereby recognized and affirmed. Now, the challenge has been to discover what that actually means. For many Indigenous peoples, the idea is that our constitution is actually a verb, it's to constitute, it's to put our relationships together. The Anishinaabe have a word for a constitution which is chit anakinagewin, which is the great guided way of decision making. Um, when you think about the constitution as a verb, it means that we're about relationships. What are verbs? They're um, the actions that we engage in in the world. And so if we think about constitution as constituting, as uh, constituted, um, that is what are the actions that we take to create relationships. 
then that's something that isn't just what the court does or what parliaments or legislatures do, that's something that you and I do. That was Jeremy Dutcher, composer and operatic tenor from his latest album that combines found wax cylinder recordings in his native Wolastok language with contemporary classical arrangements. Hear his haunting sounds at jeremydutcher.com. You're listening to Raven Debriefs and an extended interview with groundbreaking legal scholar Dr. John Burroughs. So I think my vision is that we will become more attentive to indigenous languages. Indigenous languages contain so much of this wisdom that is very faintly echoed when we're speaking in English with one another because the languages are the voice of the earth. They're founded in the ecologies of places that have often been there for thousands of years. So when I speak a little bit of Anishinaabemwin, Buju, Nindinawe, Maganidog, Niji, Anishinaabeg, Nichimadazig, Bangiyetago, Ninta, Anishinaabem, Ngegudtunjishnamayan, I'm actually speaking from a place. Um, there's the sound of the water in that, there's the sound of the wind, the rocks, the plants in that, because the, again, the words are formed in correlation with the sounds of our environment. My grandmother, when she was um, 94, I visited her in the nursing home. 
and she had Alzheimer's, and so she wouldn't often recognize who I was. So I went and sat with her, and in our conversations, I would just talk with her about old times. We played Scrabble together, lived on a farm, she loved horses, and after about maybe 15 or 20 minutes of this conversation, she started coming around, recognizing who I was, recognizing who she was, and she said to me, and this was the last time I saw her, thank you for bringing myself back to myself. And I understood that, that we're formed in relationship, that she knew who she was because of who I am, and I know who I am because of who she is. And I think that is a, maybe a microcosm for what we need to find more generally as human beings uh, to bring uh, one another back to ourselves by seeing ourselves in one another. Raven, which for those of you who don't know, stands for Respecting Aboriginal Values and Environmental Needs, has been around for more than a decade now, focused entirely on providing access to the court system for Indigenous peoples. Together with an incredibly dedicated community of supporters, we've helped provide resources to Indigenous peoples to take to the courts in order to have their rights recognized. Raven rejoices in Indigenous legal victories that safeguard traditional territories in the Yukon, fight back against open pit mining, and stand up to fossil fuel giants. So we have law because we're beautiful um, as Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples. We also have law because we're messed up. And part of being messed up then is a recognition that we need broader principles that enable us to speak together, to work through um, those very, very controversial and conflicting uh, ways that are part of our life. laws will incorporate different perspectives and different points of view and sometimes those views will be quite challenging of one another but that's necessary because law isn't just about agreement and consensus law is also a process that allows us to speak together when we have such different points of view So reconciliation in a legal sense is to understand that there were people living in Canada prior to the arrival of Europeans and the court has said that reconciliation involves the um, understanding that there were societies here with ways of life and they were organized and they had laws and that uh, this has to be put together with the assumed sovereignty of the crown. And so the idea is to take from Indigenous points of view, perspectives and law, and intermingle that uh, with the common law to be able to produce answers that are much uh, more just because they are addressing all of the people that live in uh, this country, not just those who uh, came from Europe, other parts of the world that are claiming the rights from the common law tradition. Part of the reconciliation is humility, understanding that we don't always know 
what is best and so therefore we need one another and we need the earth itself to be able to put together a fuller view of how to live in a healthy, uh, respectful way. And then in a cultural sense, uh, reconciliation involves the understanding that uh, there's a broader world around us that has a connection to Indigenous people's views that uh, can help us create a sustainable way of living. Uh, indigenous peoples have teachings and laws and language and um, ways of acting that are attentive to the seasonal rounds, the health of the waters, the um, goodness in the air. Uh, of course, they're not natural environmentalists. You have to pass these things on. You have to work at it. And Indigenous peoples can sometimes do things that are problematic in relationship to the environment. That's why they have their laws, their teachings, their ways of life. And so reconciliation is to understand Indigenous ways of life around their environments and then find ways to ensure that uh, Canadian uh, economic, social, uh, political systems are responsive to and, and recognize these uh, broader ways of living. When I was learning as a young boy about Indigenous law, I would often be told about tricksters. And uh, those are those that uh, have the opportunity to kind of change the conversation because they do things, or the action, they do things that are unexpected, right? They're simultaneously provocative uh, as they are also um, sort of acting in coalition with you. And so being a provocateur and a kind of friend is the trickster's role. And we learn about ourselves in understanding the trickster in that light, because we see maybe we're all tricksters. There's some parts of us that want to change and uh, cultivate that change. There's other parts of us that want to just have things stay the same and let's all get along. Um, so when nations come forward with uh, maybe a bit of a provocation, it's not that necessarily they want to overturn the world, but they want us to help to put together, construct, understand, what our relationships are perhaps in a better way. Um, a more kind of home-based analogy, when I was a young boy, I would sit on the counter beside my mother as she was baking bread. And I would always be interested in all the ingredients that would go into that. And I always got to tell the little bit of yeast that went into the bowl. And I was amazed at how much that little yeast would change the entire composition of that future um, you know, delicious meal. And I sometimes think that Indigenous law is a little bit like that. A small ingredient, um, bit of yeast, can actually raise the entire structure because it's, uh, its chemical composition, as it were, its, uh, its intellectual, its cultural composition um, can make a difference to how all the rest of the ingredients are arranged. You are listening to Raven Debriefs. Subscribe, comment, and share on iTunes 
or wherever you get your podcasts. I think one of the things that's really key in doing this work is to recognize that within many traditions are these principles of wisdom that we've been talking about. Yes, in the common law, yes, in indigenous legal traditions. But I'm inspired when I listen to Irish poets describe the landscape of that place and how that in some ways speaks to what I understand as a part of my relationship in my own territories. I love when I hear the sounds of music that come from Norway and uh, the, the ideas that are found in the best of those traditions. Um, I just read a book of Chinese philosophy called The Path, and there's a lot in those traditions that helps us understand that we are all related, that there is a natural element to how we are constituted as humans. And so part of the encouragement is to see this not just as an indigenous or common law issue, but to understand the framework or the methodology of this is much broader, has greater implications which is to try to join conversations of our best traditions in different times and places. So when settlers, others move to Canada, um, the call is to take up and, and, and publish and proclaim all that's good from what comes there, uh, from that uh, heritage, but also to recognize there's been a lot of problematic aspects of our histories as indigenous peoples, as uh, settlers. Um, so yes, we have to create a continuity of our best selves, but we also have to reject some of those things that have uh, been oppressive and have uh, sort of uh, kept down the uh, opportunities that we have to speak more human to human. And uh, what's happened, as I mentioned, is there's often been an imbalance in the law where only certain powerful voices have been able to make their points of view known. And I think what Raven is trying to do is rebalance that situation where Indigenous voices, those who are more marginalized, can fully participate in those conversations and have their views as a part of what's recognized. The notion is that we all have our differences and that we have to find ways to encourage and facilitate and create space around those differences. We need our freedom, we need our autonomy. Uh, we need our independence, but independence also has to be a part of interdependence. Interdependence is hopefully how we live with the earth and it's how we should, I think, live with one another. We also need to make sure that uh, we're learning and we're continuing to take in new insights that are part of our world. And so um, if you know we want to talk with one another and take a course of action, I can't just cite to you what once was, once upon a time, important to resolving a dispute, I have to address the very real concerns you have at this moment. And this is what both the common law and Indigenous legal traditions in their best ways are about, is ensuring that the contemporary concerns we have around the environment, around industrial development, around some of the challenges of uh, pollution and uh, environmental degradation, climate change, are embedded in the way that we're proceeding. Um, and so, yes, we look to the past, we honor the past, we respect the past, we nourish the roots of the past, but we see that from the past grows a living tree. Um, the court has called this idea of reconciliation intersocietal. So they say when we try to reconcile Indigenous people's law and Canadian law, that we're building a bridge. And that bridge is saying that the common law is helpful by way of analogy, 
but it's not determinative because of course we're dealing with indigenous peoples often in these disputes. So you would look to indigenous peoples' perspectives and law. They're also helpful by way of analogy, but they're not determinative either. The determination is the mixing and the matching and the mingling of the two different legal systems together to pull the best of both worlds uh, into our current and contemporary decision-making processes. The court has described this in a Latin phrase called sui generis, which means it's unique, it's of its own kind. It really is made in the place where the dispute is found rather than in some abstract uh, instance. So personally, what I think is important about that is it opens us up to the best of the knowledge systems that we have in science and in the common law, but also includes indigenous peoples as being amongst the points of view, uh, principles that we can look to and pull the best of their ideas forward as well. So this is a very inclusive idea. It's very much a democratic idea as you're trying to engage uh, um, the possibilities in uh, a broader sense. So personally why that's important is I'm from a reserve in Ontario. We live on the shores of Georgian Bay and the Niagara Escarpments are just gorgeous. The bluffs that rise above the land with the beautiful fossils in them and the birds and the insects and the plants uh, just give life to the world. And from that life are messages about how we should act as Anishinaabe people, we try to listen to the plants, to the animals, to the insects, uh, to the rocks themselves. And we do that because our language encodes meaning about how those beings are living. Uh, we have stories about how they came to be and how to best be respectful in relationship to them. And the understanding of the earth as being a companion and a friend and someone that you can interact with really does inspire people because they see that um, we are dependent, we're interdependent on one another. And so it's trying to live those teachings that have come to me in my tradition, my community. And I think uh, you know, what Raven is doing and what uh, the legal frameworks are, are suggesting is uh, we can do a much better job in being attentive to the natural world around us. So I'm of the Otter Totem, that's my clan, and it's a clan that's responsible for medicine. And so we have ways of practicing medicine that of course are attentive to our physical health. But when you learn about physical health, you also understand that it's a social, it's a political, it's also um, a natural thing. And so law is a site of healing because it pulls upon, at least in indigenous contexts, upon the social upon the natural upon the political and so for um, many indigenous peoples and certainly the possibility of canadian law is that it can be a tool for healing because it attempts to address our 
relationships and not just our relationships when things have gone wrong, but also aspirationally, where we hope to be together as peoples. We are the legal agents in this world. We all have an opportunity to practice law. And sometimes that's done by standing side by side with Indigenous peoples and listening to them and working with them in direct ways. But it also would mean that in some instances providing resources to help Indigenous peoples as they're raising their voice. And so providing resources is actually a practice of law. It's a custom that can be used to, again, do this verb-like action, which is to put us in relationship with one another. One of the things we say as Indigenous peoples is that we are all related. And uh, as we think about those relationships and we provide aid and support to one another, um, that uh, can allow us to make a difference uh, as we put our voices together. Today's episode highlighted the work of John Burroughs. This podcast also featured the amazing music of Indigenous composer Jeremy Dutcher. Raven Debriefs was produced by Andrea Palfreman, recorded by Gary McNutt, and edited by Rutendo Chabiqua. I'm Susan Smitten, your host. Raven Debriefs is available on our website at raventrust.com, on iTunes and Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Till next time, take good care and stay safe. Eva!